Hey, this is Craig. What I've been loving about these interviews is seeing how each person showcases their creativity and passion in different ways, letting us know that there's no set way getting involved with this industry. Our guest on today is no exception. So please listen in to my interview with Caleb Knutson. Caleb, thanks for joining me. You're very welcome, Craig. So first, let's start off. You want to just tell our audience about kind of how you got involved with theater and film and just your history. Well, I've been I've been a movie fan my entire life. That's was always something that I would be doing, if not every day, definitely every other other day or the weekends. I would always be watching movies. It was my thing to do. It was. It was just the thing to do. Uh, getting into theater really was on the performance side. As a younger kid, I was very, very introverted and very shy. But I would, like I said, watch movies and I would just memorize them and memorize them. Especially people like Robin Williams and Jim Carrey, anyone who was funny like that, just memorize their stuff over and over again. And I don't know... It was it was seventh grade, I think, is when things started to turn around and when I started to become that class clown type character in middle school and in high school. I remember really the big theatrical performance thing that I did was the talent show uh, where me and a bunch of my friends got together and we did the Dead Parrot skit from Monty Python, okay, yeah. classic. Yes. <laughs> and, and then we also attached on the Lumberjack song on top of that, too. It was a big, you know, just a poor budget rendition of it, but it was still a performance. And ever since then, I've been in love with theater, film, way, but you know, much earlier than that. But the theater aspect that was that was the turning point for me. So becoming the class clown and kind of the class performer, it was kind of the expectation that I would go on to become this amazing brilliant famous actor right but my parents always put it you know put it in my head that hey you're going to go to college and you're going to get a degree why well that's there's no why you're just doing it (laughs) so you're finding a theater program the svsu was probably the easiest it was the closest and at that time, they had wasn't a full ride scholarship, but they had a scholarship that they just created that would cover a huge portion of your of your tuition. And I went out for that and was one of the four people that got it. And ever since then, they basically owned my they owned me because <laughs> you had to do every production in some leadership way performing, stage managing, directing, you had to do something. But it was really the, the, the expectation of, yeah, you're, you're, the, you're the performer, so you got to go on and do performing things. But I always wanted that education to have, have something to fall back on. I mean, not saying that going off and auditioning for shows right away out of high school, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, because it definitely works, and your debt afterwards is way less than what <laughs> I have going on right now. But for me, personally, I love the... It boosted my intelligence, mm-hmm. basically. It provided me... It developed my public persona. So I would not... I would definitely not not do it again if I had to, because without that, I wouldn't be 
who I am today. So for when you went into grad school with, at Eastern, did, yeah. uh, what was the, the reasoning behind it and why did you decide to do grad school? And, Again, that was the thing beating my head. I yeah. guess, you know, I guess my parents have more of a hold on me or had <laughs> had more of a hold on me than I wanted to admit. But, I mean, it was it was always the, the plan. And I, I'm a middle child, so I always had to follow suit to make my parents proud, right? So my older brother undergrad master's degree goes on to uh, almost get his phd i don't think i don't think he has it um, i know he, i think he just stopped short but you know he went one thing to the next and that's what i had to do uh, plus getting married around at that time actually right after graduating undergrad uh, my wife was going to grad school too for her master's in music at western so it was kind of just like well I, something that i have to do you had the fortunate opportunity to kind of start teaching afterwards, and that's kind of a big deal now where kind of all these ideas coming out of the adjunct professor and the, the full-time professor and even, you know, not wanting to bring people fully on board, and especially with everything that's happening now because of COVID-19. What made you kind of go into teaching and what do you love so much about it? The reason why I went into it, I, I had a, an assistantship in Eastern my second year there. Uh, I know the first year I, I started off slowly just because I didn't have an assistantship and I was paying out of pocket for it. So it's kind of just easing into it. Definitely with the assistantship, it helped. But that's with that assistantship, you were teaching one farther down the road, two public speaking courses. And just that first class, that first couple of days, that first couple of days of teaching, it hooked me. I'm like, I'm in. I love the look on their faces. I love talking about something that I'm passionate about. Uh, yes, it was public speaking. It was a communications course, but teaching these young people how important words are and the order of words, how you say the words, the emotion that you put behind these words, how important that is and how it can how it can change things and how it can communicate things to other people from different backgrounds and different cultures. It hooked me. And I went in to, uh, to Lee Stilley, my, I guess, guess what was his title for me? It was my, uh, he would overlook my, yeah. my career there basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I sat down in his office after that day and I'm like, you remember that time that you, that you just sat down and you realized that, Hey, that's something that I'm, wanting to do for the rest of my life he's like yeah i had that like yes i had that today too so love it i absolutely love it and for eastern it was communications i was getting my master's in theater at that time i thought i had uh, some very unique takes on the communications aspect along with my other communications graduate degree uh, co-workers I, sh I should say and then right after grad school i was fortunate enough SPSU, the chair of the department there, he's like, hey, as soon as you graduate, contact me. You got you got a class here to teach, which on one hand is awesome. You know, you get that that nice break right right out of the gate. On the other side, oh, it's a two hour drive. Ugh. And that was back in 2013, well before you know all of this stuff, and well before classrooms were getting comfortable with doing online courses. So yeah, driving two hours. 
fast forward, you know, uh, 2013, 2015, when we bought our house in Kalamazoo. So fast forward two years, I'm driving two and a half hours now. It's even farther west of the state. Why not? Um, but I, oh, I love it. I love teaching theater to the intro class. I, I, I think I've only taught like two theater majors during my time there. And I would rather teach a thousand students that aren't theater majors about theater than teach one that is a theater major. And why is that? It's, it's I, I don't want to preach to the choir. Okay. <laughs> I approach these intro to theater classes like, okay, uh, I'm going to convince all 30 of you why SVSU is making you take this class because it's it's an art selective you have to take so many why are they making you do that why is theater a course here that we are teaching why does theater exist if I can convince you 30 people that aren't into theater or have no interest in theater if I can convince you that it does serve a purpose and that maybe it sparks an interest in you to sparks that creative outlet for you then I've done my job, and I'm super happy. Yeah, the the least you know about theater, the happy I am to teach you. Yeah, that's really noble to, I mean, to phrase it that way. And I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, we're kind of at this point, especially now where there is this argument where you have, you know, one group saying, especially as um, theater and film is making itself more overtly, I think, political or more on the nose in terms of their messages and you're having people say like oh well you're just supposed to be there for entertainment's sake yeah i think it's a great concept of being able to teach people that don't necessarily aren't necessarily interested in pursuing it for further of like well there is a you know a history behind it and it is at its core something to that you know gives a message and is political it's on on the one hand absolutely it's entertaining yeah sure you're paying professionally going to a professional theatrical show hundreds of dollars to see a production i better be fucking entertained (laughs) but but yeah there's this misconception that oh you know it's just you know fluff musicals or fluff pieces or the message is so on the nose like what you were saying but if you take a look at it from the aspect of no this is someone's extension of themselves extension of their cultural beliefs their political beliefs their history their culture their background that they're putting into the performance into the script into the lighting design into the into the costume design there's so many extensions of people that you are seeing put on a grand stage and i it's absolutely beautiful and i mean if you want to put it in political aspects theater provides so many different jobs yeah, the people think like, oh, it's community theater. It's all it's all fluff. Professional theater, thousands of theaters in New York mm-hmm. City alone. Ten people behind the scenes for each actor on stage. Hundreds, thousands of jobs that one performance provides. And theater is a way to provide narrative to people. And I, I teach uh, an intro class, and I also teach a uh, theater for the education major. So all the education majors at SVSU, they have to take certain arts classes. 
it's kind of like arts appreciation, basically. So they're taking theater, they're taking art, and they're taking music. Basically, see, what I'm trying to teach these future teachers is that theater, even though you're probably not going to be teaching theater itself, acting, performing, any of the technical aspects, you are, I want you to focus on the importance of how narrative can help kids learn. How you can tell someone how a cell is created and how a human being is created. Created, you know, cell breaks off into two and grows after that. But if you give them a narrative behind the scientific method behind that, and you tell a story with that, isn't that much more engaging? Yeah, I can. I I think it is if I was a kid. I definitely probably was in that same boat where I learned a lot better when I was able to see some or see kind of a a story unfold instead of just, you know, going straight from the text. Just reading, yep, reading out of the textbook and taking your standardized tests and all that. No, tell me, tell me the, the story behind this. And so now how, how has things really changed or especially you know, for me personally, I've been thinking about it where theater is, even when you get into something like um, an acting class, that it is that communal aspect. It is something that you almost, you need to be in person for. So how does that switch to online? How has that kind of started affecting the teaching of, of these programs? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, I'll be honest. I didn't have to, to go through that, that obstacle during this time. Yeah. I, I don't teach the acting courses. Yeah. It's, uh, but just from reading uh, joint emails from all of um, all of the staff of the theater department, figuring out, okay, so we can't meet, and, you know, it, it's easy to record yourself doing a monologue and submitting that for scene performance, but they were, uh, they were very into doing some type of uh, a two-person scene online how it went for them i i don't know <laughs> um i don't know if they were using programs like zoom i know canvas here oh what does canvas use it was like blue conference room uh, yeah. uh, i forget what they use so i unfortunately I, I cannot speak to that yeah. um i do know though that with with apps like zoom uh, conference calls uh, teams things like that it's become a lot more common and a lot easier to communicate back and forth uh, in a virtual virtual aspect. So I think it's going to be very interesting going forward. No, I I agree. I know there everybody's talking about how like from here on out, even after all of this is lifted and so on and so forth, that like it's kind it's set a new precedence for everything, where nothing is. It's not like it's just going to go back to the way it was before that it's you know certain jobs have proven that you could couldn't you can just do them from home yeah my my students on the last day uh when we did our final exam review in the chat they were asking me do you think we'll be back for fall semester and i said yeah i think we'll be back i think this will have this would have calmed down and we'll be able to resume classes and someone else said do you think you know we're going to be meeting more and i said well you know what probably not i think a lot more classes are going to go to the online platform i think uh, universities just with the abruptness 
of this whole thing uh, because it was literally we got the news hey michigan yeah. is listing the stay-at-home order that night we got the email from uh, the input president of the university saying yep so we're converting to online classes oh, okay sure i've done that before <laughs> so oh. I, may, I mean i'm, I'm definitely going to be incorporating a lot more online learning and online lectures and lesson plans going forward, even outside of this crisis, years down the road. We have the technology, why not use it? And it's, you know, it's definitely even, of course, it's affected the kind of the industry itself. And I know theaters are showing, are presenting a lot of their live performances. And even, you know, of course, you know, a lot of movies are being, either push back or they're going straight to digital for the was it $19 you can watch a new movie that came out and there's the whole argument now that was it the universal said that they made more money off of trolls doing it that way than they may have made and doing the, than doing the theater yeah <laughs> oh, that's what i'm that's the, probably the thing i'm most interested about mm-hmm. is what's going to happen to movie theaters once all of this clears out i, I, I mean I'm still. I would be hesitant to go to go to the movies. Yes, if we're kind of in the same boat, I, you know, I've listened to a lot of your as you do uh, a review show where you kind of. I think it's very interesting. Instead of you know doing whatever's coming out right now, you kind of put your own spin on it. Where you have a ton of movies, and for anybody that watches your um your segment your episodes you can see you know the whole stacks and the background <laughs> and you decided well, and, that, and that youtube channel is called caleb watches movies yeah. on youtube <laughs> <laughs> with that you decided to put in a, all your movies into a randomizer and yeah. um you review you know these movies that you've had and some of you, yeah. them you've seen a bunch of times. Some of them you are watching for the first time, even. Some of them I just bought and they just sat there. Yeah. And I haven't told my wife about. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, all of us are in that same. Well, I know I'm in that yeah. same boat of. Well, well, and you remember me in in grad yeah. school. That, that's that's how I passed the time driving. You know, <laughs> from home to grad school, I would just put a movie in my you know, old school Mac. Uh, Mac, Mac Pro that would actually take the disc and have the movie playing while I was driving. Okay, wow. Been a movie collector for a while. Yeah. Well, I heard you mention it in one of your episodes, and I'm, you know, personally feeling the same way too. Where, you know, going to the movie theaters has become so expensive, and and it's just harder as you get older, and unless you know you're getting screeners and you're getting paid to go see you know, these movies. Yeah, I think it's um, just interesting kind of going forward and I'd I'd just love to hear your thoughts. I think a lot of theaters are going to go bye-bye, unfortunately, Uh, unless something happens, unless some, actually not some, a lot of movie studios kind of put an effort into um, reminding people about the experience of going to the movie theater. Uh, I know know, uh, Kevin Feige, the the creator of the MCU is talking about getting people back to the theater and getting theaters back up and running. We'll re-release, you know, a couple of our big MCU tentpole films and maybe that'll bring people back. Um, but that's only one person. I think we need every single film studio, um, getting, you know, putting the emphasis on, Hey, movies, theaters, 
It's a great experience. Go. But yeah, it's it's expensive. Yeah. It, it was already expensive. Yeah. After all this, I think it's gonna be double what it yeah. was. And you know, it's it's enough for, for me and my wife. It's just the two of us. But when it's someone, you know, like like yourself, you 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 have your wife and then you have a kid. You know, when you start taking them to the theater, that's a good close to a hundred bucks now. Yes, <laughs> just for tickets and, and a thing of popcorn. Yeah, so, gets close to that. Yeah, just now with just the two of us where we were going. Right. And the only times we would go then would be a matinee or when it's almost completely dead. Anyways, that's why we kind of started to finally go. But no, I think uh, it's great that you inter- you talked about Marvel. And um, I know on other people have said that it's just going to be where the tentpole movies are going to be the theatrical experience and everything else is just going to basically go to online potentially. The small, yep, the small indie film, the small art piece film that, you know, probably would be, you know, the basic like Oscar bait that's yeah. probably going to go straight to a streaming service. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be the big superhero Marvel DC action movie that's going to be the thing to go. And to be honest, me and my wife, that's really what we would do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we would go to the theater when the movies, it would be it's Birds of Prey just came out. That's, we got to go. Uh, the only thing that's really, you know, keeping me in the spirit of going to the theater when all this calms down, is Wonder Woman 84. <laughs> it's the only thing that I'm like, I, I gotta see that. It's, it's Gal Gadot, I love her. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we were doing. I think a lot more people are going to adapt to that. And so, now, going back to talk um, to Caleb Watch's movies, kind of what came about with it? Because I know even in your podcast, you mention um, your year in review, you kind of mentioned that there are tons of other you know, review sites and we, when we kind of had our, our conversations, t- talked about that and like what what was the purpose behind Caleb Watches Movies and what do you get from it? And Well, like I said, I just love watching movies. Um, but if you are a movie collector, which starting this, this YouTube channel, I've just discovered that there are so many Facebook groups and online communities that it's like Blu-ray collectors, DVD collectors, Criterion collectors. That, you know, my wife thinks I'm in, I'm insane with what I have over there, but I, I just want to show her these, these online groups and be like, I'm nothing. This is nothing compared to this, to these other people. Getting, getting the idea with tackling it, it really stemmed from after grad school, getting into just kind of working to pay bills, pay rent. Uh, we wanted to move into a house, so we did that. Uh, graduating uh, just three years after graduating from grad school. And, you know, how, how you do that? Well, you just do that by getting a job and getting promoted at a job that is pretty mindless and doesn't take a lot uh, and kind of getting deeper and deeper into a field that you just didn't see yourself going down and you didn't want to go down. I worked for, well, I won't say the name of the companies, but it was in the optical field and <laughs> optics. I have no scientific medical training, but <laughs> here I am the manager now of this optical store um, that one keeps closing and I keep being transferred over to this other store that now is going to be closing um, retail. 
love it. It's wonderful. Retail is the reason why I tackled this. <laughs> uh, really, it was just being, I don't think I would have admitted it back then, but looking back on it now, it's just being depressed over not having a creative outlet and not having something that allows me to be me and to voice my opinion. Um, I have, you know, I have friends. We talk about movies sometime, but it's definitely not to the passion and love that I have for film. And you know, driving back and forth to SVSU, you know, you need something. And I would listen to podcasts and I would listen to YouTube shows that would review movies, uh, shows like Jeremy Johns, shows like Chris uh, Chris Stuckman. Love those shows on YouTube. And they would talk about the new movies coming out. Uh, and of course, talking about the new movies, everyone wants to know about the new movies. Do I want to? Do I need to go see this movie, or should I not go see this movie? Uh, that's why they're so popular, and their channels are well done. Uh, podcasts. I would listen to the Schmoes No podcasts, oh, yeah. and I like love their approach on talking about movies. It was the the approach of watching a film as the every everyday person, as the everyman. You know, not as the film scholar or the you know, the film professor or the theater professor, the acting professor. Everyone watches movies. Everyone has seen movies. Everyone has the capability of going to the theater and watching movies. And the way that they approach reviewing it is, yeah, this is a good time. This is a good pop, pop popcorn flick. You don't have to think about it too much. Or it's a film that this is great as a great message behind it um or this film where it just seemed like they were just dumbing down everything to the audience and it's a kids movie it's a kids movie and the kids felt dumber afterwards so listening to all that it just i mean it was a nice outlet for me to listen to people talk about movies but still it wasn't me talking about movies yeah and and um really things started started to get going in my head about I can do this and not only do I think I can do this I can probably do it better than some of these people <laughs> I have no film editing program knowledge of how to go about doing this but I know I can learn and I know I can do it so uh, around 2016 I think is where the seed was planted and there was this little tiny film that came out it was actually around my birthday a little film and I don't, I don't know if the eyes are going to be rolling here, but it's a little film called Batman v Superman, which was a movie that I was just so pumped for. And I just wanted to see it so bad. And when it came out, all of these podcasts and all of these shows that I listened to just panned the thing. They hated it. They couldn't understand it. They didn't love anything about it. And I'm sitting there in the theater watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm loving this. At least a theatrical version, I was like, I really, really like this. And then when the Ultimate Edition came out uh, later on Blu-ray, I'm like, I love this movie so much. But it's it's like whenever I brought that up in conversation, uh, everyone just kept either talking over me or putting me down. Again, I wasn't getting my voice heard. I wasn't getting that creative outlet for me to talk about something that I felt passionate about and I felt love for. And then the next year, I watched. Uh, oh, what was that? I watched La La Land. Okay. Uh, gosh, another an, another you know corporate movie. <laughs> Everyone just you know loves loves to hate, I guess. But I watched that one night, and the message of that movie to me, at least what I got from it, was like you can't be happy unless you 
find you can't be happy with someone if you can't be happy with yourself mm-hmm. and if you can't find the happiness or at least something that makes you happy to do something that makes you happy you have to focus on doing that first before you can actually get into a relationship of course you know here was the opposite way around i <laughs> love my wife very very much um but i was definitely not doing something that i loved at that time even though i was teaching i was teaching only a class and i'm an adjunct i'm not a full-time professor it was it's one day a week for me so that night after watching la land it, i pulled an all-nighter and i'm i'm getting things down i'm looking for free music to use i'm putting my ideas down on a logo on an introduction what's going to be my concept what do i want to do uh, i, I want to talk about movies but i don't want to do what everyone else is doing talking about the new movies that are coming out i have this huge collection that is just sitting here that it, it's so hard to decide hey what am i going to watch tonight or what do i want to watch i don't know how big your collection is but i don't know if you've ever sat there going looking at it just blankly thinking what do i want to watch i don't know what i'm in the mood for yeah i usually end up to the point where i just don't watch anything (laughs) (laughs) like "Eh, it's too hard to decide yeah or i'll put something on and then i go well uh, that's not exactly what i wanted maybe i'll try this one and next thing i know it's three in the morning and i've watched maybe 10 minutes of you know, five different movies. <laughs> and there's a stack of DVDs now on your counter. Yeah. And now you have to put back. <laughs> um, but I'm such I'm such a, a nerd about my collection that I've already I'd already cataloged all of them, so I know how many I have and which ones I have, so I don't repeat whenever I go to like a you know, resale shop or whatever. I'm like, why didn't I do this? Instead of watching the new movie that comes out, maybe occasionally I would do that, but instead of doing that, I'm going to randomly select one of these movies. It can be newer, it can be a classic, it can be something that I've never seen before, it could be action, it can be drama, it can be romance, it can be horror. Um, I know this is a horror, uh, a YouTube channel and podcast that you have, (laughs) not the biggest horror guy, but it could be that. Yeah. Um, And just the idea of the unknown and the excitement of, oh, hey, what's what's coming next? Just it gave me that butterfly in my stomach. And I'm like, I have something here and I'm really excited and I'm going to do this. So that was March of 2017. And so so I'm sitting on all this stuff, playing around with iMovie, because that's the only program that I have that I have access to. So I'm like, okay, I kind of have an idea of how to do this. I just needed that extra push. And later that year in 2017, my wife and I went to go see the movie Wonder Woman. And I talked about this in my review of Wonder Woman, but that is the movie that gave me the kick in the ass to just after watching that film, I cried so much because it affected me emotionally on so many different levels. (laughs) I cried like six times in that movie. Like this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Um, just being a comic book fan, seeing her finally on screen, taking like 76 years for that to happen. But it's like the perfect timing for that to happen, too, with the women's, uh, with the Me Too movement and everything that was happening around that time. Um, it gave me the kick. I'm like, the next day, I said, I'm starting this because that movie was awesome and I need to start talking about movies again. That was 2017, three years later, and my channel's at 1,100 subscribers, which I never thought maybe eventually would happen, but it's weird thing that that's actually happened. Like I said, I love watching it, and I think what I admire, of course, is that you're very 
one, you're honest that, you know, these are your opinions. And I like that you're, you know, taking it from the everyman approach where you could say you can have your own opinion. And, you know, these are just my personal where, you know, a lot of these podcasts kind of come off where it, it does feel like, well, if you don't believe what we're saying, then you're wrong. I think a lot right. of times. And I think, too, where you were just really you're very straightforward and very I don't know, you hold true to your opinion and has that kind of affected, uh, obviously dealing with tr what they call the, I guess, the trolls or even whoever, you know, of course, once you get to a certain point of subscribers or viewers, you're going to get that. And, oh, and the, God, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll first first say that I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have that opinion and, and straightforwardness and that, that strength behind providing that straightforward opinion without going to grad school um before that i don't think i really had an opinion of my own i was kind of just like floating through uh, opinion wise but really grad school even, even with the immense debt that i had from it it taught me to to develop me and my and my opinions and my public persona and my personal beliefs so if if anything i'm i attribute so much to grad school for that i um I agree with that surprise because going into grad school, I had the, the thought because you think about, you know, people that go through it and the, the image that is made where you're assuming you're going to be like looking at a movie or theater or whatever you may be going into at a very critical eye and like only highbrow and all of that. But even for myself personally, I think as I started to, or as I came out of grad school, it was the, the same thing of like feeling more of, you know, well, I like, even if everybody hates this, I like it because I like it. And I don't necessarily need that reasoning, but because it's like, you know, in my opinion, it works for me. Yeah. And, and I'm also shocked at how much I didn't know about theater coming <laughs> into grad school. From from undergrad, I'm like, and going to grad school, I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't learn any of this. <laughs> what the heck was I being taught in undergrad? Lee Stilly kicked my ass. Yeah, so so without grad school, I wouldn't have that that honest, straightforward persona. Hey, this is Kyle. Just dropping in to let you know to please like, subscribe, follow, tweet, TikTok, Snapchat. Do the social media things. Bloodhound Picks Podcast is produced by Josh Lee, Craig Dram, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond Seed. Audio editing by Kyle Hintz.